year ago on the first Sunday of December, I stood up here and said thank you because we were beginning our time with you as a pulpit minister. And a year later, I still say thank you. This is a great congregation, and we are blessed to be here. And the first year of being here, I've not tried to lay out a theme or uh, announce the theme of here's some things we're going to be thinking about together. But you may have noticed that running throughout several of the sermons, there were a couple of things that sort of go hand in glove. They, they kind of go side by side. One of those that we've tried to emphasize several times is that Christianity is more than just a checklist. In fact, I've used that phrase, I believe, four times in various sermons. That yes, there are things we must do. For example, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, and live faithfully. Or sing, pray, give, commune, and study the Bible. Those are lists, but that God has always required of us to do more than just check them off our list. He has always said to make sure that we have the right heart, the right motivation. We might even say the right will behind all of those things. The greatest commandment God has given to us is to love Him with everything we have. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not just to do the right stuff, but to do the right stuff with the right heart and attitude. And the thing that goes side by side with that, that you may have noticed in several sermons, is that we have studied a number of passages and referenced many, many more that are found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Because in reality, when Jesus began his ministry, in the text that Trey read for us a few minutes ago, you remember that Matthew 4 ends by telling us that, yes, Jesus was healing people, but he also, it also tells us that he was teaching. But the text doesn't tell us what he was teaching. It just says that he was there at the end of Matthew 4. And then Matthew 5 begins by telling us that Jesus went up on a mountain and he laid out the sermon that set down, if you please, the guardrails. For the rest of his ministry. Everything else Jesus taught. And even everything else Jesus did. Has some echo found back in the Sermon on the Mount. He was calling the people of his day. To make sure yes. That they were following the Old Testament law. But to not forget the heart. That was behind all of it. To make sure they weren't just. Checking things off their list. But to make sure they understood. That God has always required. All of us, not just the right actions. And so Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you. When men persecute you and say all evil of men are against you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt has lost its taste, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle of the law shall be done away until all has been accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But he who does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says to his brother, you fool, will be in danger of the hell of fire. Therefore, if you bring your offering to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser. When you go with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. For I tell you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. You've also heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it away. For it's better that one of your members should perish than that your whole body be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that one of your members should perish than that your whole body be thrown into hell. You've also heard it said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. It was also said, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take oaths at all. Not by heaven, for it is the throne of God, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by the Jerusalem, for it is the great city. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Instead, let your speech be simply yes and no, for anything more than this is from evil. You've also heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, Do not resist the one who is evil. But if someone would slap you on the right cheek, turn to him the other left cheek also. Or if one would sue you to take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Or if one would compel you to go with him one mile, go with him two. Give to the one who would borrow from you. And do not refuse the one who begs from you. 
You've also heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and causes the rain to fall on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others, in order to be seen by them. For I tell you, you, you will receive no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before yourself, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen by others, praised by others. For I tell you, they've already received their reward. But when you give alms to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not stand like the hypocrites do. Do not be like the hypocrites who stand at the street corners and synagogues that may be seen by others. For I tell you, they've already received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, your closet, and shut the door. And pray to your Father who sees in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not heap up empty, vain phrases like the Gentiles do. For they think they'll be heard for their many words. But I tell you, they've already received their reward. You must not be like them. For your Heavenly Father already knows what you need before you ask. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will not forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. That your fasting may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust corrupt. And where thieves break in and steal. Instead, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupts and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If the eye is healthy, the whole body is full of light. If the the eye is bad, the whole body is full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You cannot serve two masters. For either you will love the one and hate the other, Or else you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and possessions. Therefore, do not worry about your life. About what you will eat or what you will drink. Nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. 
and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than are they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single cubit to the height of his stature or a single hour to the span of his life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed clothed like one of these. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is cast into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we put on? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Or how can you notice the speck that is in your brother's eye? When there is a log, a plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when behold, there is a log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. Do not give what's holy to the dogs, nor throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them underfoot and then turn and attack you. Keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened to you. For which of you, if his son would ask him for bread, would give him a stone? Or if his son would ask him for fish, would give him a serpent or a scorpion? If you then, being evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children who ask you. How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you would that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter at the narrow gate. For broad is the gate and easy is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in there. But narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of false teachers who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruits. Can grapes be gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A healthy tree bears good fruit, and a diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. So every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And thus, you'll recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me on that day, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many mighty works in your name? I'll say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock and the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded upon the rock. Everyone who hears these sayings of mine does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand and the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Everything else Jesus ever said harkens back to the greatest sermon ever preached. Everything else Jesus ever did echoes back to two phrases that are found near the beginning and near the end of what we have termed the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, verse 20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And Matthew 7, verse 12. Therefore, whatever you would that others would do to you, do also to them. Everything else Jesus said hangs on those things. And so as he began his ministry, Jesus said, here is what God has wanted all along. Follow the commandments Absolutely. You shall not murder. That's a law. You shall not commit adultery. That's a law. Does God care about those things? Yes. But Jesus came to this earth in part to say, follow the commandments. Yes, but follow them with the right heart. Follow them, not just to check them off the list. Follow them because God is worthy of everything. How do we know that? Because part of the reason Jesus came was because God gave everything. You see, when Jesus, about three years later, would go to the cross and would give his life for you and for me, that was no accident. That was not God's plan falling apart and God had to figure something else out. We live in a world where some people say the church that we are a part of is just God's stopgap measure. That he, he meant for Jesus to set up an earthly kingdom, but something threw a monkey wrench in the whole plan. So I'll come up with this church idea. That'll take care of a little while. And then Jesus will come and set up an earthly kingdom and everything we made made right in the end. Part of that is correct. Here's the part that's correct. Everything will be made right in the end. That part's correct. But when Jesus went to the cross... He fulfilled what he had preached in the Sermon on the Mount. Because in the Sermon on the Mount, by implication, he had said, give God everything. And he was willing to do that on the cross. You see, all Jesus asks of us is to do what he did. Not literally going to a cross necessarily, but giving God everything. You see, at the end of Matthew chapter 4, 
The people are coming to Jesus because he's healing and he's teaching. And there is a, a fame level to what's going on. And beginning in Matthew 5 with that sermon, Jesus began to put some dividing lines down. Look, you can keep coming and listening. I want you to, but I'm not going to back down from the heart of the matter. And if I may sound redundant, the heart of the matter is the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is making sure that what I do is built upon what I am. That's an outflow of true, deep, heartfelt, mind-filled faithfulness. So it's no wonder then that as Matthew 7 ends, Jesus having concluded his sermon, the text tells us the people were astonished at his teaching. But you notice why? It doesn't say they were astonished at his teaching because he had some great oratorical skill, although I'm sure he probably was a good speaker. The text does not tell us the people were astonished because they could hear him really well and he didn't even have a cool microphone like I have. That's not what it says. The text does not say that they were astonished because he remembered all those laws and could quote them. No, they were astonished at his teaching. Because he taught them as one who had authority or one with authority and not like one of the scribes. You see, the scribes of their day would say, God's law says this. Let me tell you what this rabbi teaches about it and this rabbi teaches about it and this rabbi teaches about it and this rabbi teaches about it. You notice what Jesus said? You've heard it said, not some rabbi said, but I say to you. Folks, nobody talks like that. Rabbis didn't talk like that. And for the remainder of three years, and even all the way up until today, we've been unearthing why. Jesus was able and willing to say, but I say to you. And it's summed up in three words. Jesus is God. So he had the authority. You see, the people were astonished at one sermon. But a few years later, a much smaller group of people were gathered. Because they had put Jesus on a cross. They didn't like all this teaching all of a sudden. And even though he'd been raised and some started believing him again, most people still hadn't figured it out yet. And so as the book of Matthew ends... Jesus gives us the Great Commission. And how does he begin it? All authority. In heaven and on earth. Notice the verb. Has been given to me. You see, Jesus did not say, I have all authority now. No, no. This was in God's plan all along. For Jesus to come to this earth and have authority all the way through. And so when Jesus stood on that mountain or sat on that mountain, whatever the case may have been, and, and, and taught that sermon, it's no wonder that people said, wow, just nobody talks like this. He speaks as one who has authority. Nobody preaches or teaches like that. Three years later, Jesus would tell them, it's because I've had all authority all along. And so go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them with your authority. No. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Meaning, in 2015, all these years later, you and I still have not our own authority, but the authority of Christ to say, are there things as a Christian 
I must do. Absolutely. But folks, if we miss the heart of the matter, we've missed the heart of the matter. That's how Jesus began his ministry. By preaching the greatest sermon ever preached. And calling people who wanted to hear the truth to a message of, you do it, but you do it from here. You do it because it's everything that you are. You do it because your heart and your mind and your soul and your actions are all bound together in faithfulness to God. By the way, may I point out to you that when the Sermon on the Mount ended, And Jesus went down the mountain, he taught, and he healed, proving he was not just some great guru, but the compassionate Savior of the world. And he's willing to be your Savior. Really, all that's left for me to do this morning is to ask one simple question. Now, I don't think that when Jesus finished the Sermon on the Mount, I don't think they, that they stood up and sang an invitation song. I don't see that in the text anywhere. And that's, that's not a historical thing. I, I don't see that. I don't, I don't see that Jesus you know, made sure he had some big, powerful ending. Maybe he walked down from the mountain and stood among the people. I don't think that happened. But if you notice, everything beyond Matthew seven twelve, the golden rule, everything beyond that is an invitation. Everything. Enter at the narrow gate. Beware of false teachers and make sure you're not with them. Make sure you are not just saying, Lord, Lord, but doing the will of the Father who is in heaven. And be wise, not foolish. Build your house on the rock, not on the sand. Everything's an invitation. And so in many ways, when Jesus said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them is like a wise man, and who does not do them is like a foolish man, what he's really doing is saying, this is, if you please, my invitation. And here it is. Are you wise or are you foolish? Now, we might not get that blunt as often when we preach today to say, are you wise or are you foolish? But Jesus was not afraid to say that. He didn't have to say the words because he had put them out there. If you hear these and do them, trust me, you're wise. And over the next three years of my ministry, I'm going to prove that by the way I live, teach, and heal. You don't want to believe it? You're going to prove it to be foolish. Folks, I don't have that kind of authority. But I can tell you what Jesus said. You've heard his words. Are you doing them or not? In other words, are you wise or are you foolish? Or are you on the easy road or the difficult road? For unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you would that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Are you wise or are you foolish? How will you respond to the greatest sermon ever preached? It's up to you as we stand and as we sing.